Welcome to another exciting episode of The Nuclear View, a weekly podcast of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies, where we want to advance peace, promote stability, and remind you to think deterrence. The views of the guests are their own. Welcome back to The Nuclear View. If you're one of our strident listeners, you may have been expecting Adam Lowther to give the introduction to this next series, but we're giving Adam a little time off for the 4th of July holiday. And so this is Jim Petrosky, the president of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies, and I'm presenting a special edition. And today we're going to discuss something that's really important regarding deterrence that we don't normally discuss when you think about deterrence. And that's this. We are deterring because we wish to have peace. But peace could just simply be granted by not ever waging war. So there's another component to preserving peace, and that is we want to preserve peace, but we also wish to preserve our national sovereignty. And yesterday, the 4th of July, the day that we celebrated our independence, is sort of the beginning of who we are and what's important. And the most important piece of that is the freedoms that we have attained by developing and declaring that independence at the time. Now, you may think 4th of July or Independence Day is about our independence from England. And you're exactly right in in, in understanding that from the beginning. But the foundation of our nation is much more than just that independence. That independence was a struggle for a freedom that we still have a struggle with even today. And so today I'm going to read that Declaration of Independence. But when you listen to it, think of how each of the concepts that we were fighting for at the time are still relevant in today's world. And remember how deterrence helps to preserve those freedoms. In Congress, July 4th, 1776, when in the course of human events, it becomes necessary for one people to dissolve the political bands which have connected them with another and to assume among the powers of the earth the separate and equal station to which the laws of nature and the laws of God entitle them. A decent respect to the opinions of mankind requires that they should declare the causes which impel them to the separation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among men, deriving their just powers from the consent of the governed that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or to abolish it and to institute new government, laying its foundation on such principles and organizing its powers in such form as to them shall seem most likely to affect their safety and happiness. Prudence, indeed, will dictate that governments long established should not be changed for light and transient causes, And accordingly, all experience hath shown that mankind are more disposed to suffer 
while evils are sufferable, than to right themselves by abolishing the forms to which they are accustomed. But when a long train of abuses and and usurpations, pursuing invariably the same objective, evinces a design to reduce them under absolute despotism, it is their right, it is their duty to throw off such government and to provide new guards for the future security, sufferance of these colonies, and such is now the necessity which constrains them to alter their former systems of government. The history of the present king of Great Britain is a history of repeated injuries and usurpations, all having in direct object the establishment of an absolute tyranny over these states. To prove this, let facts be submitted to a candid world. He has refused his assent to laws, the most wholesome and necessary for the public good. He has forbidden his governors to pass laws of immediate and pressing importance unless suspended in their operation till his assent should be obtained. And when so suspended, he has utterly neglected to attend to them. He has refused to pass other laws for the accommodation of large districts of people, unless those people would relinquish the right of representation in the legislature to them and formidable to tyrants only. He has called together legislative bodies at places unusual, uncomfortable, and dis- the depository of their public records for the sole purpose of fatiguing them into compliance with his measures. He has dissolved representative houses repeatedly for opposing with manly firmness his invasions on their rights of the people. He has refused for a long time, after such dissolutions, to cause others to be elected, whereby the legislative powers, incapable of annihilation, have returned to the people at large for their exercise, the state remaining in the meantime exposed to all the dangers of invasion from without and convulsions within. He has endeavored to prevent the population of these states, for that purpose obstructing the laws for naturalization of foreigners, refusing to pass others to encourage their migrations hither, and raising the conditions of new appropriations of lands. He has obstructed the administration of justice by refusing his assent to laws for establishing judiciary powers. He has made judges dependent on his will alone for their tenure of their offices and the amount and payment of their salaries. He has erected a multitude of new offices and sent hither swarms of officers to harass our people and eat out their substance. He is kept among us in times of peace, standing armies without the consent of our legislatures. He is affected to render the military independent of and superior to the civil power. He is combined with others to subject us to a jurisdiction foreign to our constitution and unacknowledged by our laws, giving his assent to their actions of pretended legislation, for quartering large bodies of armed troops among us, for protecting them by a mock trial from punishment for any murders which they should commit on inhabitants of these states, for cutting off our trade with all parts of the world, 
for imposing taxes on us without our consent, for depriving us in many cases of the benefits of trial by jury, for transporting us beyond seas to be tried for pretended offenses, for abolishing the free systems of English laws in a neighboring province, establishing thereby an arbitrary government and enlarging its boundaries so as to render it at once an example and fit instrument for introducing the same absolute rule into these colonies, for taking away our charters, abolishing our most valuable laws, and altering fundamentally the forms of our governments, for suspending our own legislators and declaring themselves invested with power to legislate for us in all cases whatsoever. He has abdicated government here by declaring us out of his protection and waging war against us. He has plundered our seas, ravaged our coasts, burnt our towns, and destroyed the lives of our people. He is at this time transporting large armies of foreign mercenaries to complete the desolation and tyranny already begun with circumstances of cruelty and perfidy scarcely paralleled in the most barbarous ages and totally unworthy the head of a civilized nation. He's constrained our fellow citizens, taken captive on the high seas, to bear arms against their country, to become the executioners of their, of their friends and brethren, or to fall themselves by their hands. He has executed domestic insurrections among us and has endeavored to bring on the inhabitants of our frontiers, the merciless Indian savages, whose known rule of warfare is in an indistinguished destruction of all ages, sexes, and conditions. In every stage of these oppressions, we have petitioned for redress in the most humble terms. Our repeated petitions have been answered only by repeated injury, whose character is thus marked by every act which may define a tyrant is unfit to be ruler of a free people. Nor have we been wanting in attentions for our British brethren. We have warned them from time to time of attempts by their legislature to extend an unwarrantable jurisdiction over us. We have reminded them of the circumstances of our emigration and settlement here. We have appealed to the native justice and magnanimity, and we have conjured them by the ties of our common kindred to disavow these usurpations, which would inevitably interrupt our connections and correspondence. They too have been deaf to the voice of justice and of cosognity. We must, therefore, acquiesce in the necessity which denounces our separation and hold them, as we hold the rest of the mankind, enemies in war, in peace friends. We, therefore, the representative of the United States of America, in general Congress, assembled, appealing to the supreme judge of the world for the rectitude of our intentions, do, in the name and by the authority of the good people of these colonies, solemnly publish and declare that these united colonies are, and of right, ought to be free and independent states, that they are absolved from all allegations to the British crown, and that all political connection between them and the state of Great Britain is and ought to be totally dissolved, 
and that is as free and independent states. They have full power to levy war, conclude peace, contract alliances, establish commerce, and to do all other acts and things which independent states may of right do. And for the support of this declaration, with a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence, we mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Thus ends the Declaration of Independence. I hope you thought about what was given up in order to gain freedom and to establish this great United States. And it is why we celebrate Independence Day and why we believe that preserving our country and our freedoms is of the utmost importance. I hope you enjoyed today's special broadcast of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies. And as always, we hope you think deterrence. Thank you for listening to this week's The Nuclear View. We hope you found it engaging and valuable. The Nuclear View is released each Wednesday and is a production of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies, a 501c3 organization. We are dependent upon donations to provide our podcasts. Every donation helps keep this and many other deterrence-related activities happening and helps to bring about awareness of the peacekeeping value of U.S. strength and of our national deterrence. We occasionally answer questions from our valued listeners. If you wish to send us questions on a topic, please send your email to asknids at thinkdeterrence.com. That's asknids, one word, the at symbol, and thinkdeterrence, one word, dot com. If you enjoyed this show, check out our other weekly podcast, Nuclear Knowledge. You can catch all of our podcasts at thinkdeterrence.com under the Deterrence Podcast tab. We thank our producer, Kimberly Charrington, our sponsors, and all the fantastic members of the National Institute for Deterrence Studies for making this podcast possible. Stay tuned next week for another exciting and informative nuclear view, where we want to advance peace, promote stability, and remind you to always Think deterrence.